Thanks to LinkedIn for supporting Industry Focus. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the right person fast. Find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. Get $50 off your first job post at linkedin.com slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market each day. It's Tuesday, December 10th. I'm your host, Jason Moser, and I'm really excited about our guest for today's show. Sophia Mashasha is a director at Brightline, a company focused on the creation of virtual and interactive experiences. She's also the vice president of the DC chapter of the VRAR Association, and she's also the co-host of the Everything VR and AR podcast, which you can catch wherever you get your podcasts, and I highly recommend that you do. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Okay, Sophia, I, I like how you guys start your shows with the story of the guest. I mean, that just gives some good context there. So I'm putting you on the other side of the table here. What's your story? Give us an idea of what led you to the work that you're doing today. That's great. Yeah, thank you for having me. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of my listeners would be wondering the same thing. Actually, <laughs> I actually um, I came from a DoD contracting background, um, okay. and then I just kind of fell into the technology space when I first joined Brightline. Um, you know, I had assumed that they would be doing something IT or cyber related since we're in the DC area, um, and got very excited that they actually did a lot more than that. Uh, um, they do everything from all interactive technologies to include uh, facial recognition, uh, motion capture, uh, object and object tracking, motion tracking, um, touch screen, and now interactive VR and AR. And that was kind of an obvious add to their repertoire of interactive technologies. And it's been a fun ride since then. I've been there for about two and a half, two and a half years. And uh, then we joined the VR AR Association about almost two years ago, they asked us to start the Washington, D.C. chapter just because of the type of work that we were doing in the industry um, and just how pressed we were to further the education on VR, AR, and MR technologies. Yeah, I just was consulting the pricing schedule about a membership for the association. I'm gonna, I think I've got everybody talked in here to, to <laughs> go ahead and cover the membership fee for the uh, DC chapter membership. I, we'll talk about that um, in a few minutes. But I want to dive into some of the work that you're doing over at Brightline first. Um, in Brightline, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you're in the business of creating virtual and interactive experiences, basically, it sounds like. Um, and, and, I mean, looking over some of the brand clients you have, I mean, Coca-Cola, Geico, Toyota, just to name a few, I mean, it really does seem like, based on on what we're watching, the evolution of this technology, it does seem like we're to a point now where the interactive and mixed reality, it's no longer a fad or fancy technology that really doesn't do anything. It really feels like it's gaining traction and a lot of companies are buying into it. So, I mean, what what is the feeling among your customers these days regarding the mixed reality? Do you still have a lot of work to do in convincing them that there's going to be a return on that investment? Or is that return on investment really starting to become more apparent now? I mean, it's definitely a constant educational ploy for everyone in every industry on um, what the ROI is, and we're continuing to see more of those use cases pop up, so we can kind of point them to those. Um, everybody is certainly interested in how they can utilize a mixed reality technology, um, and for us, it's a little easier because we already have a big stake in the game as far as what we're doing for our customers now with other interactive technologies, and they would just want to take it a step further. Um, 
so I always say a big part of our job and anybody in an emerging technology industry is uh, a education yeah. and, and consultation. Uh, so a lot of times people will come to us either not knowing anything about what how how a mixed reality would apply to them, um, or they would have an idea of what they want, yet it's kind of totally off. Yeah. And so we kind of work back for, backwards from from there, saying, okay, what is your goal here? Uh, and then we would let them know what the appropriate use cases are for virtual reality, augmented reality, mixed reality, and how it could uh, augment the way that they're doing business or reaching out to their target audience and, and affecting the, the, the way that they that they do business. And it's it's very use case centric. So, um, you know, people will come to us saying VR is cool. We want to do that. And then the next question we ask them is, OK, well, why? And, and that's how we get to the answers faster and and kind of consult them on the best way to utilize the technology. So the ROIs and use cases are out there. Again, it's still a big uh, a big part on, on us to educate people on the appropriate utilizations of the technology. It sounds a lot like what we do here in regard to investing. A lot of people come in, they see this notion of investing. I can buy shares of stock in this company, and I can sit back, and five years from now, it's going to be worth more money. That's great. Let me get started investing, but then you have to kind of backtrack for a second and say, why do you want to do it? I mean, of course, it's to make money, but really, it's about financial goals. It's about what stage in life you're at, about what you're trying to achieve. And so, certainly, uh, I mean, that makes sense with with companies. It, it, they see that cool technology. Yeah, let's do that. But yeah, exactly. Why do you want to do it mm-hmm. in the first place? Mm-hmm. And and I would say where the industry is at now, uh, in terms of in terms of creating content for End users and end customers is we're in the we're in the prototype proof of concept stages. So there is money out there to be invested in mixed reality solutions, um, but people are testing entities and companies are testing the waters right now on 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 how they can apply the techno- technology towards their specific company and, and, and industry. Um, so people are spending money out there. And, and now what we're seeing is not just us as content developers you know, preaching to the choir of, of how this could potentially affect you know, industry, but we're seeing now industry attending these uh, technology conferences with us and actually standing on stage with us telling the audience how much immersive technology has been a value add to their to their company where do you think we are in the mixed reality stage and and what i mean by that is i mean i'm, I'm assuming you know about the the hype cycle and you kind of hit that Mm-hmm. Trough of dis- disillusionment, where it feels like we've been for a while. Um, maybe we're kind of we're starting to realize some real life uh, applications for this technology, whether it's mixed or virtual or augmented or all three. Um, and it, it it feels like, at least <laughs> judging from my Twitter feed, there's a new headset initiative from another company. It's seeming like like every other day. I mean, we're seeing. I mean, obviously Microsoft is is doing great things with Hololens too, and we hope to get a Hololens here to be able to fiddle around with that. Apple is obviously throwing their hat in the ring. Google giving it another shot. Facebook has Oculus, but then you have all of these other smaller companies. 
um, Magic Leap is another one. I mean, Amazon has a company backed. I think they're backing a company called North uh, that's making some stuff. It feels like now there is tremendous buy-in on this, just judging from the hardware uh, that's coming to market. Some of it'll work, some of it won't. But based on the content that you're producing, the content that you're that's in demand, do you feel like we're on that sort of Way back up. I mean, it feels like now we're at that stage where there's buy-in, and we're slowly but surely going to keep on doing nothing. But but I think improving from here. But I, I could be wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the military is one of the busy, biggest spenders of immersive technology capabilities. Yeah, um, and I think that's a, a great tell as to where uh, the te- the industry is going with immersive technology. And what do you think about? Um, the so the service that I run here is focused primarily on augmented reality, but we know there's mixed reality, there's virtual reality, there's augmented reality. To me, the more and more I learn about this space, the more I follow it, the more it seems like the lines are getting blurred, and it seems like it's not one or the other; it's all of them, and they're working together. So, I mean, are are we headed towards a future where it really is it's less about augmented versus virtual, and it's really all about just mixed and interactive? Yeah, I mean, I think that. First of all, there's space for everything right now. Yeah. It's not a competition, and like I said before, it's very use case driven. Um, there are times when AR is most appropriate, and there's times when VR is most appropriate, depending on what you're trying to achieve, and also depending on where the software development is at those stages, and then you know the hardware as well is is um, a big key to this, obviously. And and in my opinion. Um, AR is the the tortoise in the race right now, although I do think that it does have longevity in terms of where it's going. Um, but th- but then yes, you're right. Mixed reality is is coin- going to be like the coin term for all of this. Um, and um, companies like Vario, I don't know if you've heard of them yet, but it, yeah. but they're doing some incredible things, kind of bringing that to light. Yeah, it's it's you talk about. It. Educating and AR maybe being the tortoise in the race right now. It's funny. My father, he's a physician. He's seventy-seven, I think now, still practicing. And I was talking to him about mixed reality and virtual and augmented. He's like, I think I know what virtual reality is, but he's like, what's augmented reality? And I'm explaining to him, you know, it's digital overlaying the real world. And then he's like, well, how could that help me? And I start having a little bit of a challenging time really explaining um, particular real life examples it's easier for me to google like a video on youtube and show him how the healthcare industry is being impacted by augmented reality uh, but but yeah i mean it certainly felt like from the very get go virtual reality is the one that's always been at the tip of everybody's uh, tongue and I, and i guess that's just because of the wow factor with the technology uh, but but it really yeah to me it does seem like those lines are getting blurred and more and more it's 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 about that mixed reality that interactive as opposed to one versus the other um, let's switch gears for a minute I want to talk to you a little bit about your journey in the, in the tech world uh, yesterday I had the very good fortune to speak with Caroline Feeney she's the CEO of Individual Solutions at Prudential now this is Prudential right that's finance and we're talking about tech here but you have some similarities then and. Um, our conversation centered around the the evolving role of women in finance. And we've seen, I think, over the past several years, really awareness. We've seen traction. More and more, we're discovering how important it is that we we give women their due in these industries. I mean, you play a very important role, and I mean, equality I think is is really at the forefront of almost every industry now. But it hadn't always been that way. Uh, where? 
How has your how has your work history how has your journey been as a woman in tech? I mean, is there a notable difference between where you started versus where you are now? That's a good question. Absolutely, I do not have a technology background, okay. and I think we're seeing more and more of that, um, particularly in this space, or at least the people that I've talked to. Um, and it's really interesting the unique perspectives that they bring to the industry. Um, you know, some of them obviously have gotten into more of the techno- technological um, roles, um, but me, I, I, you know, I have a background in marketing and strategy, and that's what really interested me: is how can we apply the technology to particular use cases in particular industries. Um, and I think it's important for everyone, not just women, but everyone to kind of understand that there is a place for them in immersive technology. We think about it not as just a new technology, but a new form of communication, mm-hmm. a new medium of communication. So if we think about it like that, I mean, there is um, there is roles for for everybody in this space. And it's it's been interesting for me um, because it is particularly male dominated. Um but because of that, I've been afforded a lot of opportunity as well. So I think it's it's um, it's both a challenge, but a blessing at the same time. Is there? I mean, is there any anybody in particular that lit the way for you? Someone that you look, someone that maybe mentored you? Was there someone that you kind of look back to and think, wow, that that person really helped pave the path for me? Or um, I would say people that have become uh, good friends of mine were are Amy Peck um, from Endeavor VR. And now heads enterprise at HTC, and then Kathy Hackle, mm-hmm. um, who leads enterprise for Magic Leap. Um, she's a big voice in the, in the technology, named one of the top voices in LinkedIn. So kudos to her. Um, and they're just very supportive. Not only them, but I've seen the industry at large, and then particularly the women, just be very, very supportive, which is very new to me. <laughs> um, and I think, generally speaking, people just want to see. The technology succeed, yeah, and because of that, um, everybody is just giving a leg up for everyone else, and it's really, um, it's really inviting and really nice to see that. Well, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm the father of daughters. I have a 13 year old and one that's getting ready to turn 15, and I think about this stuff all the time. I feel like they're entering a time in their lives where there's going to, I mean, I, you know, the, the world is your oyster. It is probably a bit cliche, but I think there are a lot of opportunities opening up now and mentalities that perhaps didn't exist even 10 years ago that are going to make um, a big difference for them as they enter the workforce over the next decade. Uh, so it, it sounds like uh, it sounds like finance, tech, I mean, I mean it, it really does sound like the attitude is, is shifting uh, everywhere you look. Thanks again to LinkedIn for supporting Industry Focus. Let's face it, urgency can be your enemy when it comes to finding candidates that are truly meant for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with the hard and soft skills you're looking for. Things like collaboration, creativity, adaptability. LinkedIn looks beyond the work skills and puts your job post in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. And it's why companies rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one platform for delivering quality hires. Visit LinkedIn.com slash fool to get $50 off your first job post. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash fool.
Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk a little bit about your role as vice president of the D.C. chapter of the VRAR Association um, and as the co-host of the Everything VR and AR podcast. I don't know where you find the time to do all this. But, um, <laughs> it, 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 uh, listen, I've listened to a lot of your shows. I've enjoyed you. learning a lot. And, and you have some great guests there. And I encourage our listeners to check that out. Um, who are some of the guests or the industry experts that you've had on your show that you just thought, wow, that was that just sparked an interest in something I didn't know about before, or I want to learn more about what they were telling us about on the show. I mean, you got to have one or two guests that just made you think, wow, what a, what a great interview. Any anyone come to mind? I mean, first of all, let me say that almost everybody, pretty much everybody on our podcast has had had some amazing stories and and are creating some major major impact in our industry. We have such a wonderful cross section of guests on the show. Right. It's not it's not just VR hardware. I mean, it's you got car companies and software companies and everywhere in between. Right, and we wanted to make sure that um, we were hitting home with all types of listeners, not yeah. only the people that were creating the content and and some of the main members, I would say, of our association, but also the people who are looking for use cases to point to and say, okay, well, these guys are doing it and they're doing some really cool things with it and here's their story. And it's not us touting about it anymore. Like <laughs> like these 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 end clients and implementers are are the ones that are raving about the technology. So it feels really good to be able to host them. Uh, and I would say one person in one conversation in particular would be uh, somebody by the name of Gabriel Rene, who is um, one of the founders of the Spatial Web Foundation. Oh, I, I haven't listened to that one, but I do remember the. I remember that one. You should. He he has a book uh, out on Amazon. It's um, both audio. That the audio will come out in about a month now. But they he also has a, a paperback book. And if you haven't read it, I really encourage you to read it. And it'll, it'll kind of open your mind as to you know why we're putting such a heavy focus on immersive technology and kind of all the peripherals around it the internet of things and and you know and he talks about robotics and blockchain and why all of these things are important and kind of coming together um, to create what what we call like an, an immersive ecosystem there was one interview you had with um, an individual from Microsoft. I can't remember which interview it was, but it led me down a rabbit hole. And then I discovered Julia Schwartz with Microsoft and uh, a YouTube video that she had with a HoloLens 2 demo from earlier in this year. And the demo was just really cool. I mean, that's just what I man. I'm like, I got to get a hold of this Hololens because it just sounds like you can do so much cool stuff. Come with to it. our office. We got you. <laughs> do you have one? Absolutely. All right. Well, I consider that an invitation then. Um, but another one that I listened to recently, the the interview with Ross Finman from Niantic, right. and I guess he actually was the co-founder. Of, am I pronouncing it correctly? Escher. Right. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so he, he, which that was acquired by Niantic, but now he's the head of AR strategy at Niantic. And Niantic is a company I've had on my watch list here for the service. Because I'd love to see it go public at some point or another. I think a lot of folks they know Niantic because of Pokemon Go um, and the the Harry Potter Wizards Unite game, and I think those are games that just um, scratch the surface of the potential there with AR on the consumer side. But but again, I mean, it, it goes so well beyond the consumer. Um, yeah, I just it, you have just such a such a great cross section of guests there. That's just what's always really impressed me. What are um, what are some of the markets that you feel like are big opportunities for mixed reality, whether it's augmented or virtual mixed reality. But when we're talking about the markets, and I think 
a lot of our listeners, uh, they probably think, well, it's entertainment, it's gaming, it's it's consumer-related stuff. Um, the one thing I've really had a lot of fun in my service is discovering all of these markets that really benefit from the technology, even though it may not necessarily be consumer-facing. Right. A great example, I think, is healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, you see what these physicians are doing with this interactive reality software and hardware, and it's just, it's just phenomenal. Um, are, are there any markets that stand out to you as just big opportunities? That you're that you're yeah. excited about. I mean, I would first say that, you know, us being these deep in the in the in the market, we have to understand where the market is now and then where it's going. Mm-hmm. Because where it's going is maybe not where we should focus our efforts now. Okay. Um, so you know, it, it may not be consumer facing. Other than the gaming industry, and that's okay. But but it's important for us to know that so we can gauge where to where to put our efforts. Uh, so for us, um, it's it's basically any industry that has um, a big focus on training, right? Where, yeah. where are they going to receive uh, the biggest value in reducing the time to retrieve, retain, and then deploy information? Um, so you know, healthcare is a big industry for that. Military is a big industry. Um, and then, and, and then I would also say, or, or oil and gas. Some of these industries also, it's hard to train. It's hard, yeah. it, or it's impossible to train for some of these circumstances because it's dangerous, or they don't have access all the time, and those types of things. And immersive t- technology um, can create that access. Um, and then the uh, the other thing I would say is visualization. So. Uh, Anything that will reduce the time to do mock-ups, builds, and so and simulation type stuff. Simulation type yeah. stuff. So, so I, I'll give an example. So, Bell Helicopter, um, their usual process is to do a mock-up like CAD drawing, right? Um, and then once those specs are okay, they do uh, a mock build of the helicopter. And then they'll have their pilots sit in the helicopter and uh, just make their remarks about what they like and what they don't like. And the engineers are kind of taking their notes on that. Right. And they'll go back to the drawing board, re-mock that up, and then rebuild. And then do this process over and over again until they have something tangible that they like. And then they'll, put, and then they'll go and produce it. Whereas now with virtual reality, they're doing their visual mock-up inside VR and then putting their test pilots in VR inside the cockpit. And then in, in real time, they're making adjustments based on the recommendations of the, of the engineer or of the, of the pilot. Um, and then they go into production. So it's just it's reducing costs, reducing time, all of those things to get uh, um, uh, a, a plane or a helicopter into production. Yeah, that's. I'm glad you said that because there's a company that I added to the service a little while back, and I, you may have heard it, you may not. It's called Ansys, and it's a simulation software company. I mean, they build simulation software, big presence in academia, so a lot of students are actually being trained on this software before they're even getting out of the workforce. And I mean, you know, if you're trained on that software when you get out of the workforce, they don't want to retrain you, so they're trying to get people. Uh, they're they're making sure that they're they're getting that Ansys software out of the mm-hmm. workforce so they they just continue on. 
But um, another another thing you were talking about training, and I I worked in a different life. I, I worked for a while at Travelers Insurance, and I worked at Bank of America as a loan officer. And there was training involved with those jobs. And I can remember the the web based go to this web page and click these buttons and do this and that training. And it was boring and it was tedious and. It, it's it, but now you're seeing where this augmented reality and virtual reality is taking over. It's making training a little bit more palatable. It's certainly more effective um, in companies. I think companies out there like PTC, another one that that is uh, uh, building out that that software and those experiences for training. That's, that's really cool. I'll, I'll tell you about a uh, a cool study that's been put out. So it's not only use cases. It's, it's uh, companies like Microsoft who are, you know, doing intense studies on the ROI of this technology. Um, so they put out something called the Class of 2030, and it's uh, available for download for ever, anybody who wants to, to view it. Uh, so what they did is they put two sets of students, uh, university students, in traditional lecture-based learning and learning environment, and then immersive technology learning, and they set a minimum standard of comprehension for each for the, those sets. And what they found was that the the set that was in the immersive training, the immersive learning environment, uh, reached that minimum standard 60% faster at one letter grade higher wow. than traditional based. So I mean, it seem it strikes me, and I mean, again, this goes back to some of these markets where we feel like they're just these big opportunities. I mean, education clearly. I mean, from higher education all the way down to elementary school. I mean, this is technology. I think that will continue to take over. I mean, I've read case studies where grade school classes have augmented reality experiences that put them in the middle of the Civil War, right. where they're seeing sights and smelling smells and feeling impacts of things that you would not. I mean, it provides context that none of us ever really grew up with. I mean, to me, that's not surprising the result that you say, but it's right. really encouraging that that data exists because I think it'll only um, it'll only hasten the move towards right. this. Right, and it not even though it came out from the educational sector of Microsoft, I mean, it just showcases the power of the technology yeah. in totality, right? And 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 what it can do for other industries that are looking to. Um, educate or deploy information faster and have people resonate with it faster. So what what traditional forms uh, of communication do is provide more of like a semantic memory, right? Yeah. So semantic memory is is more of memorization. Words on a page, things you're listening to, hearing people talk, even videos and pictures, those types of things. And then what immersive technology is doing is building more episodic memory. So that is lived experiences. So memorizing something is different from creating a memory. And that is exactly what immersive technology is doing, and that's what makes it so powerful. And it makes perfect sense. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Um, one of the things about your jobs, and I'm using the plural there. <laughs> that's right. Um, I, I, it, it seems like your jobs afford you the opportunity to go to a lot of these industry events. I mean, and that's part of what you all do there. I think at Brightline is, is, you know, helping with those industry events uh, to a degree. But what uh, you were just at the Microsoft Ignite uh, event down in Florida, I think it was. Yep. Uh, give us a little insight as to, to how that was. What uh, what were some of the highlights? Uh, yeah, it was great. Microsoft actually invited us to to come down there and interview some of their keynotes uh, in uh, that were doing things with immersive technology. Um, you know, surprisingly, there wasn't as much of a um, there wasn't as much of a 
an influence of immersive technology or showcase of immersive technology there on the conference show floor. You kind of had to hunt for it. And some of the people that I met at the bars, you know, engineers coming there for CLEs or whatnot, they didn't even know anything about VR or Hmm. AR or the fact that uh, they knew what they knew the term Hololens, but that was about it. Interesting. Um, so I took some time to blow their minds a little <laughs> bit about about the technology and um, and got them to want to le- learn a little bit more through Microsoft. So I think Microsoft is doing a, a good job of being one of the leaders in the technology, um, but it works a lot like uh, their mixed reality uh, department works a lot like a startup in a large business. So um, they're, they're still f- fighting the same struggles that we are as, um, as small businesses in the industry. So it's interesting to be able to lead that charge with them. That's cool. Have you ever been down, have you been to the Augmented World uh, Expo? I actually yeah. have not. Yeah. I, I actually attend more um, industry-focused co- uh, conferences, and we bring the technology expertise to those conferences. So apart from the VR AR Global Summit that I attend every year, um, I attend mostly industry-focused conferences and, and bring the tech to them. Nice, nice. Well, I think I've sweet-talked the powers that be here into letting me go this year. So um, it's a if good I one. don't see you there, then I will circle back with you when I return, and we'll please uh, do. You go over some notes, and uh, maybe we'll you know meet back in the studio and talk again and catch up. That sounds great. All right. Well, you can catch her co-hosting the Everything VR and AR podcast. You can follow her on Twitter at Sophia Mosh. Sophia Moshasha, thanks so much for coming in this week. Thank you for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, or the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Today's show is produced by Dan, the homeowner Boyd. For Sophia Mashasha, I'm Jason Moser. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.